The Gospel is from um, uh, St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, um, how much do, we, do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into, their, into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not uh, been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust it to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. You got to serve somebody. You cannot serve God and wealth. Who are we serving today? Well, this should be fun. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My goodness, what's Jesus up to today? Telling us a parable about a dishonest or unrighteous manager who seems to defraud money from his master to make sure he's in good shape once he loses his job and then gets commended even by our Lord. Is this true? If you didn't know, this is known as one of the hardest parables to understand that Jesus talks about. Now, maybe you made perfect sense of it, and I can just sit down at this point. <laughs> but Jesus commends this steward, this manager, for something. And it what Jesus says, and what Luke tells us Jesus says, is that he was commended for his shrewdness or his wisdom. The really, the root word there in Greek is wise. He's, he's wise. How is it that he is wise is the real question. Um, 
Maybe it's important for us to say because when we look at parables, we wonder about the historical circumstances and what things would have been like. Yes, there were people who were very rich. There wasn't that many, but there were many. Uh, There were certainly enough of those, and they owned land, and then they had employed people to take care of the management of their land, and they rented it out. I suppose not that different than it sometimes is the case today. And so these farmers, these people that owed the master money, they weren't necessarily peasants or poor. They had enough money to rent land and produce crops. And so they were maybe not great well off, but they they were people of means, and they were really in debt. That sounds a little familiar when I'm told that the average household today has six to $10,000 of credit card debt. That's tough, and Jesus talks about our money, and so it's a challenge, um, but what do we make of this? Well, there's a couple keys to understanding this parable, I think, and of course, I'm going to give you the definitive truth about what this parable is about. So listen up. You might have missed that the owner, the rich man, gives this manager who we're told is just not a good manager. We're not sure if he's embezzling, stealing, whatever. He's just squandering it. It's the same word, actually, for the prodigal son when he went off and squandered all the wealth. Um, but he, he's, he's not a good manager, and, and he's going to lose his job. Did you notice that? He didn't say, turn in the books right now, you're fired. He said, you're going to lose your He gave this manager some time. What is up with that? So then this wise manager goes and reduces the the bills and the debts of some of the folks, the renters of the rich man. Now, a lot of people try and solve the problem of this parable by saying, well, he just took off his interest that he was going to make. And so he didn't really defraud his manager of any money. We don't know that. There's no actual evidence of that in in first century Palestine. But it's a good try. Um, You could say that he took off the interest. Because, you know, it's illegal to charge interest back then. But we don't know that for sure, although it's a good try. The manager is given time to figure out what he's going to do. And so what he does is he banks on the owner, the rich man, the master's benevolence and kindness and graciousness. How so? Oh, well, if, I mean, this is, if he's, he's going to lose his job, and note that he doesn't defend himself, by the way. He doesn't say, oh, but what do you mean? Give me time to defend myself. He just accepts. Ah, yeah, I'm bad. I'm a bad manager, you know. So, um, but he's given time. And so what he does is he goes and he reduces the debts. Um, so yeah, when he doesn't have any place to go because he can't farm and he can't beg and he's not going to do that, that, that he'll have a community, he'll have some relationships to take care of him. Yes, that's really cool. That's good. He's commended for that. But he's commended, I think, for something more. What did he really know? He knew something about the master. Because if he did that, the master could come along and say, look, 
throw this guy in jail. I didn't give him permission to do that. And of course, the, the renters, they don't know that he hasn't lost the job. Otherwise, they'd never accept such a reduction in their bill. So they don't know that he's lost his job because he actually hasn't yet. Um, and so, um, but if, if he didn't know something about the master, about the rich man, then, um, you know, he could never do what he did. He was banking that his master would go, good call. You're wise, because you know I'm not going to throw you in jail, don't you? You know I'm going to go with this. And of course, what are the people who were renting the land from the rich man? Think of the rich man now. Oh, he's so wonderful. Look at what he did for us. And then Jesus commends him for this. Well, what is the only way I can really make sense of this is because Jesus is talking now, this is the context about who you're going to serve. Who you're going to serve. You can't serve God and mammon. And all in this part of Luke, we're hearing about money and riches, but we're also hearing a lot about righteousness. Um, are we righteous and are we not righteous? And is God righteous? How do we become righteous? A little bit after this, Jesus says, really gets on those who think they're going to create their own righteousness. So, so that's the context. You're going to serve somebody, you know. And so the trick is, do you know who you're serving? This dishonest, as it's called sometimes, but actually the word is unrighteous. We are all unrighteous, and the best way we can live is to live in such a way that we bank on our master's kindness and goodness and mercy. In other words, with the unrighteous mammon, let's get out there and use it. Let's not be afraid of messing up. Let's get out there and and use it for the good um, because we've got a master who's full of loving kindness and forgives us when we mess up. We don't have to hide. It's like that parable where, you know, you put the talent. One person said, you're a horrible master, you're horrible, so I'm going to hide my talent. And the others went out and invested it. And they got commended. Why? Because they knew something about the master. That we can get out there and serve and love and mess up and, and do our best. And, and we've got grace. So yes, let's take care of our relationships. Let's use our ordinary mammon for good. And then God will indeed entrust us the heavenly kingdom. We have a master who's amazing. Let me tell you how amazing our master is. In 1 Timothy today, we're told that Jesus, God's very self, the second person of the Trinity, came and gave his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus, when he calls us to serve, goes to the cross for us. Jesus is our ransom, and we need to hear that every day and every Sunday. He took our place. He exchanged his righteousness for our sin. What, what a deal for him, huh? What a master. Is he look, thinking about, well, what do you, what's in it for me? What, what can you give me? No, he says, follow me, and I'm going to give you all my righteousness. I'm going to take all your junk. I'm going to take all your sin. Now that's somebody I want to serve. What about you? (laughs) Other masters will bleed us dry. Right? They want our loyalty. And in turn, you know what they give us? Slavery. (laughs) We're enslaved. Money, food, substances, approval of others. 
position, stature, achievements, etc. If we live our lives like that, I mean, and you got to serve somebody, that's the truth. <laughs> Bob Dylan, back when he was in his little Christian phrase, said something powerful here that we sang to you today. But who will you serve? Who do you get to serve? In the faith of your baptism, you are connected to Christ, and he said, follow me. And so each and every day we do that, but we do it knowing something about the Master, that when we stumble, when we fall, when we don't do it perfectly, it's okay. Jesus wants us to get out there and go for it and depend on the mercy of the Master. What does it look like? What does it look like? Well, I've seen it recently. I'm excited to share with you some of that. Jesus says, serve me. You can't serve God and mammon, so serve God, serve me. What does that look like? Well, as I recall, he said, inasmuch you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to right. So I see us doing that, and it's so exciting. I see this congregation doing that. I see people showing up every Wednesday and making a meal for people, and people from the apartments who are struggling, and people who are even homeless are coming and having food in their bellies. But I also saw it not too long ago when our children and family connector and our community connector got together, and, and um, you know, we had this idea, you know, we've got someone, Megan Seawolf, who is a captain in the army, serving overseas, is deployed, and, and so we put the word out, we're going to write cards and send uh, some things to her unit. Look at the cards you sent to them. Let me read to you what Captain Seawolf said. Mail day is always a big deal for us, but today was especially, especially special for my soldiers and I. The box arrived late at night, and we couldn't wait to open it. Handing out the letters, cards, and treats to those soldiers is a memory that, I will, that will be burned in my mind forever. For some of my soldiers, this was the first time they had received mail here, and it meant the world to them. Seeing the smiles of pure joy on their faces when they saw their names written on the envelopes was incredible. Eyes welled up as we read letters out loud and felt all the love and support that came sealed inside this box. Everyone has pinned their cards up at their workstations as daily reminders of the love you have shown them. We cannot thank you enough for the light you brought to our lives here. Oh, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing people serving the Lord and following Jesus. I mean, the other day, Kathy, our community connector, the manager of Cottage Bay said, boy, we sure could use some help with our open house, our back-to-school night. And guess what? We had seven, eight people show up, boom, just like that. I was listening to Katie Shaw talk about the ride for refugees that we did a few weeks back. And um, in the council meeting, she was giving a review of it, And she almost in tears was saying how incredible this congregation was, how many people stepped up to cheer along the route, to help here at church, to receive the rise, all the volunteers, all the people who stepped up to help. It was amazing. Oh, I'm seeing it happen here at SLC. But you know, when Jesus says you got to serve 
you can't serve God and mammon. And, and when he calls us to serve God and love our neighbor because that's where he is, he isn't just talking about church stuff. I mean, that'd be horrible for you to go to wait today thinking, well, let's see, I got to do more for my church. No, <laughs> I guess that wouldn't be bad. But anyway, um, you know, that's not the point of it. What about your relationships? What about your homes? What about your workplace? Those are places where you get to serve Jesus by serving your neighbor. And yes, I'm going to tell you this if you haven't figured this out yet. As you have this vocation of loving neighbor, you have many occupations. You're maybe a father, a grandfather, a grandmother, a mother, a wife, um, a husband, you know, a child. You know, you're, you've got your occupation at duty, and all those compete for, with each other. You know, sometimes you give a little more time to the work. Sometimes you give a little more time to the home. You have to work it out. But all of it is involved in serving Jesus. you got to serve somebody. I don't know about you, but knowing who Jesus is and what he did for us, I want to serve him. May we receive the Holy Spirit, the promise of our baptism, and may we now not have to serve, but get to serve the one who is the Lord of life and given his life for us. Amen.